Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you all for joining me in my home here in McKinney, Texas for Gospel Saving Church. And I want to welcome everybody coming from SoundCloud all over the world. Praise, uh, praise God and thank you for joining us. And uh, welcome to another beautiful Sunday morning here in McKinney, Texas. It's October 25th, 2015. Uh, anyway, if you want to join me in a word of prayer, please, before... I jump into the message and let's ask God to bless our message and help our hearts and help our minds and help our souls to understand what he has to say to us today. So Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord. We come humbly before you, Lord God, because we know that your grace is so sufficient, Lord, and your wisdom is so mighty, Lord. And we thank you so much, Lord God, for all that you've done for us, all that you do for us, Lord, and all that you will continue to do for us, Lord God, because you you don't just stop. Lord, loving, and you don't just stop blessing and stop giving, Lord God. You continue to love and bless and give to your children and to the world and if, until you come, until you return, Lord, until you end everything. So, Lord, we, we just thank you in advance for all the wonderful and mighty things that you're going to do for us and how you show yourself, your, you know, how you show us you're real and how you show us your love every day and, and how you'll continue to do so, Lord. So, we just ask for today, Lord, for this message, Lord, please bless my mouth. Help me to speak accurately, Lord God. Help me to speak, Lord, as you would want me to speak. Help me to speak your word powerfully, Lord, today. And Lord, not just me, Lord, but I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me. Lord, to not only me, but to all those that are listening to this message, whenever they will listen to it, those in my home in McKinney. Lord, we just ask and pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. and Teach us today, Lord. For there is truly only one way we can understand your word, and that's through your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, please enlighten our hearts and enlighten our minds and enlighten our souls to the truths that you have for us today. And, Lord, may to you be all the glory and power forever and ever and ever. Lord, so please bless this message and bless our hearts and bless our ears, Lord. Thank you for all that you do for us. We love you and praise you, and we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, our... We're going to be in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, and I'll give you the title of this week's message once we get there, but first my thoughts from last week's message, who are you counting on to save you? Last week's message was a beast, okay? I'm not going to lie, it was a lot. It was long, it was arduous, you know, it was over an hour long, and uh, you know, I apologize for being so long-winded. But uh, I actually could have spoken more last week on that subject of, you know, who are you counting on to save you? On the subject of works and, you know, uh, what you're counting on and if you're trying to be a good person or if you're trying to keep the law. I could have I could have spoke so much more last week and so much more this week, really. And in fact, I, I probably could have spoken at least two or three more hour-long sermons on this idea of who who are you counting on to save you, whether you're counting on Jesus Christ to save you or whether you're counting on the law or being a good person to save you. I mean, there's just so much info to talk about on the situation. But I'm not going to teach two or three more hour-long sermons. I'm just not going to do it. I'll save us all, I'll spare us all, because that could drive us all crazy. But if you'd like to hear more on the subject or if you'd like to talk to me more on the subject, you can go to gospelsavingchurch.com or you can go to Gospel Saving Church at Facebook, and my contact info is on there, my phone number, my email, and I'd love to talk to you about it if you'd like to, but I'm just not going to teach two or three more hour-long sermons on this idea of who are you counting on to save you. 
The Bible's very clear. Jesus is very clear. There's no way that good works is going to save you. There's no way being a good person is going to save you. There's no way the law of God, keeping every tenant of the law of God, because you know we already looked at last week, we can't do that. So with all that being said, I'm not going to teach any more two or three, I'm not going to teach any more sermons on this, at least right now. Uh, For my thoughts from last week, normally all I do is I just, you know, I share a little bit more on the subject, right? But this week, for my thoughts from last week, where do I start? There's so much more, like I said, I could say, where do I start? So I'm not going to, I'm not going to do my normal. I'm just going to give you one last thought to think about as far as can good works can keeping of the law, can the keeping of the law, can anything get us to heaven outside of faith in Jesus Christ alone? Can anything else save us? Can we be saved through Islam? Can we be saved through Catholicism? Can we be saved through Hinduism? Can we be saved through Buddhism? Can we be saved through any religion or any good work or any I'm a good person, I've done good deeds? Can any of that save us? The last thought I'm going to close with, not thought really, the last concept is Jesus' words and God's response to Jesus in Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 43. Jesus had gone with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane, and here he prays to God three last times with his disciples off, and then remember they end up falling asleep on him three different times, but the very first time he goes, He prays this prayer. And I want you to think about this. If there was any other way, would this have happened? See, we we read Luke 22, verses 41 through 43. The Bible says, And he, Jesus, was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. So he leaves his disciples, walks away by himself, and he kneels down and he prays and he says, Father, if if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus just said, Father, God Almighty, if there's another way for mankind to be saved outside of me going to this cross, let this cup pass from me. Please, Lord, if there's any other way. And then what what happens? What is God's response? Verse 43. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. God didn't appear And God didn't say, all right, my son, you know what? There is another way. You see, if there was another way for people to be saved, God wouldn't have made and strengthened Jesus to go to the cross. If there was another way, right? God would have said it right there at that moment. It was God had the stage, right? Jesus had had come, he prayed, and it was being recorded, and, and God had the stage, right? And Jesus said, oh, Lord, please... Lord, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Then God could have showed up in a big cloud and spoke to Jesus and said, My son, as long as there is, there is another way. If men, if you tell men, if they stand on one leg, on the right leg, and they jump up and down 50 times in a row, and they do it every day for the rest of the days of their lives, then they're going to be saved. Then there you go. There's your other way. But nevertheless... We know that the cup didn't pass from Jesus. And we know what happened. An angel came from heaven strengthening Jesus, not pulling him away from the only way to eternal life. But he strengthened him in the way 
of eternal life. So, it's very clear, even right there, where God has the stage, that there is only one way to heaven. Only one way, and that way is total faith and surrender your life unto Jesus Christ. Jesus, I need you. I'm putting all my faith in you, and I'm turning to you, and I'm going to trust in you totally to save me. And that's it. There is no other way. No religion can save you. No amount of good works can save you. No amount of being a good person, living a good moral life. None of that can save you. Only faith in Jesus Christ and faith alone with your surrender coming after you putting your faith in. That's it. Only faith alone. And then the surrender of your life will come. So anyway, I just wanted to you know, close with that. There's lots more to say. It's settled in my mind you know, that there's only one way to heaven. That's faith in Jesus Christ. Total faith in Jesus Christ. Total trust in Him. There's only one way. If it's not settled in your mind, again, contact me. Email me or call me, my personal phone number, gospelsavingchurch.com or facebook.com. Just call me. Contact me. I'd love to talk to you about it. All right. Anyway, let's get on. So we don't want to spend any more time on this subject that we could spend two or three more hour-long sermons on. Let's get into our message for this week. The title of our message of this week is... The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is exceedingly abundant toward even the worst of sinners. Probably my longest title ever, but when I was seeking God's face for a title this morning, he said, go to the scripture and I'm going to give you the title basically out of the scripture. So I went to the scripture and there it was. The whole sermon is summarized. The main portion of the sermon is summarized in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is exceedingly abundant towards even the worst of sinners. So let's read together 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 17. That's where we're going to be. 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. If you guys want to listen along, it's fine. If you want to read along with me, that's great. Let's read it, and then I'll teach on it. So 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. The Bible says, Paul writes to Timothy again, and he says, And I thank Jesus Christ our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And, here's our partial our title today, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. For this is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am a chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible to God, or invisible to God, excuse me, alone is wise, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So, In our last section of scripture, we read of Paul just basically scratching the surface and talking about how there's no other, that the law cannot save anybody. And we read about, and we learned about how I basically led by the God's Holy Spirit took that little section from Paul and I just ran with it and I just stopped running with it shortly. I'm better thankful about that. 
But we read about Paul's little dissertation on it and my long-winded dissertation on it using Paul's writings too. But now we're on to a new section of Scripture where Paul changes the subject and teaches us of some new things. What did Paul teach us very first off? Look at verse 12 again. He says, and he starts off, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Paul teaches us a lot today on himself, and he also teaches us a lot about Jesus Christ today. He teaches us a lot about both of them. First, he teaches us some things here in verse 12 about him and God. Basically, we just learned that God or Christ, you could say, enabled or made Paul ready for the ministry and then put him in the ministry, notice, because he was faithful. Notice Paul said that word there, because. Because Paul was faithful, Jesus Christ enabled him and then put him in the ministry. Look at what we learn about this first neat thing about Paul. Paul says here about Jesus Christ putting him in the ministry because he was faithful. He shows us that he really did know, learn from, and follow Jesus Christ, the real Messiah. There are people today, Jews in fact, that would say that Paul really never followed Jesus, the real Messiah. In fact, Paul was just, uh, you know, he was a, they, they call him, a, they have this whole little thing that they've made up about Paul. In fact, people have. They don't really necessarily believe that Paul was one of the real disciples. But yet here we see that Paul really did learn from, know, and follow the real Jesus Christ as the real Messiah. How, you may say. How do we know here now that Paul really did know and follow the real Jesus Christ? Well, Paul just taught a principle that Jesus taught. Now remember, Paul did not walk with Jesus for three and a half years. He knew of Jesus Christ because he was a Pharisee when Jesus Christ was in the ministry. But Paul was not one of the 12 disciples and Paul did not know Jesus Christ's teachings, right? But here he teaches one of the principles that Jesus taught. Jesus actually taught us this principle in Matthew 25 and Luke 19 where he said, uh, If God finds you faithful in what he's given you to do, then he will make you faithful over more. Remember, Paul says Christ put him in the ministry because he was faithful. So Paul was already, he loved God. He turned his life to Christ after Christ revealed himself to him, right? And then so Paul just started loving Jesus and started living for Jesus. Well, then, then of course, Jesus puts him in the ministry as as opposed to Paul here, is what Paul says here, because he found him faithful. Faithful. You see, Paul, once he got saved, didn't go straight to hanging out with the disciples and starting to learn from them right away. He tells us in Galatians 1.17 that he goes to Arabia first after he gets saved, spends some time with Jesus there, and then goes on, goes back and then, you know, kind of, you know, would you say, assimilates into the disciples, into the group of the disciples, the 11 that are left. Well, it's 12 because they had already elected a, four, a, a 12. But nevertheless, uh, Matthias... But nevertheless, Paul did not go right to be with the disciples. He went to go spend time with Jesus first. And how much of what Jesus taught did Paul actually learn when he was alone with Christ during that period of time where he went to Arabia to spend time with Jesus? Well, by Paul's writings, by all the epistles, and by this principle here, you can easily read in what Paul wrote that he learned everything 
that Jesus taught his 12 original disciples in that amount of time that he spent with them in Arabia. He, he, he knew it all. Jesus, whatever he taught the disciples, he also taught Paul. And Paul's writings are littered, literally full of things that Jesus Christ taught in his ministry, just like this here. I think it's a pretty cool thing to learn about Paul because it's good to understand. It's good to know that Paul did teach according to the ways that Jesus Christ taught in his ministry. Because it would be easy to think, well, how did he really know the teachings of Jesus since he didn't really spend time with the disciples and he didn't really walk with Jesus for three and a half years. But yet here and throughout all his epistles, he teaches us things that Jesus Christ taught throughout his ministry to his original disciples. Now that was on Paul's side. But as I said, Paul teaches us a lot of neat things about Jesus Christ and God here that we need to know. What, what, what does Paul teach us here on the God side of things? Well, he teaches us here the awesome principle that Jesus taught us to again. And he just, you know, he said it about himself that he rewards, you know, people that are faithful, right? But again, on Jesus' side, and this is awesome for us to know as Christians, Jesus here, Paul says that he rewards faithfulness to him. So if you're faithful to Jesus, he's going to reward you for that. That's good news. That's an awesome characteristic of God. He is a loving father. And yes, he gives good gifts. But the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Remember Hebrews eleven six. But then not only more than that, if you're seeking him, you're faithful to him. And if you're faithful to him, God's going to bless you. He's going to bless you now in this life now with different blessings. And he's going to bless you with eternal life. When you're done too, as you serve him and you, you know, you spend time with him and so on and so forth. So that's an awesome thing we learn about Jesus that we're reminded of about Jesus is that if we're faithful, he rewards our faithfulness to him. And the second major thing that Paul tells us about Christ here is this, that he enables those whom he puts to work for him. That's a good, good thing. Whatever Jesus Christ gives you to do, he'll help you to do it. Or you could say it like this. Whatever God wants you to do and he calls you to do, he'll give you the ability you need to do it according to his Holy Spirit. So he doesn't just say this. He doesn't just say, oh, Bob or John or Joe or Larry or Sue or Susie or Jane, whatever. He says, hey, I want you to go work for me and be my minister. And you know what? I hope you do well. Hey, go out there and get him. Go out there and get him, tiger. Tigress, go out there and get him. But you know what? I'm, I'll be rooting for you. No, he doesn't say that. Paul says, he enabled me. I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who enabled me. He made me ready. So he doesn't just say, go out there. I hope you do a great job or I hope you succeed. No, he's, he says here that he enables us. He enables those he finds faithful to do whatever it is he calls them to do. And that's good news because we don't have to worry about, well, what if God calls me to do this? I can't do that. I can't speak in front of people. What if God calls me to be a pastor? Oh, no, I'm not, I don't know how to speak in front of people. Well, here, according to what Paul says, if God calls you to do it, He'll enable you or give you the ability that you need to do it. So you don't need to be scared. You know, God calls you to be a missionary. God calls you to be a pastor. God calls you to be a street evangelist. God calls you to be whatever, a prophet. You don't have to worry, an apostle. God will enable you or give you his ability through his Holy Spirit so you can do the things that God calls you to do. That's awesome. God is so good to us. 
He, he, he gives us so much every day. Amen? Praise be to God. Well, next, what does Paul tell us? Paul tells us more about himself. And he says here, he says, oh, yeah. Next thing he says, and, and not only does Jesus Christ enable you, but he even put me to work for him and enabled me to work for him, even though I was not always his child and saved. Read the first part of verse 13. He says, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. What did Paul do? How could Paul say that about himself? Well, for you that aren't familiar with your Bibles that much, Paul was a persecutor of the Christian church. He actually was there rooting on those who murdered one of Jesus Christ's apostles or disciples, uh, Stephen. He, he, people were laying their coats at his feet, and he was looking on in approval He was enabling them to murder one of God's servants. Then Paul went on a journey, on a mission, led by, given permission by the rulers of the Judaistic religion to go forth into all the cities where the gospel had gone, where all Christians were, and in prison, and even put to death those Christians that were already had gotten saved from Jesus Christ's ministry. Paul was a murderer. Paul fought against Jesus Christ. Paul fought against the church of Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? Paul says of himself, I was an insolent man. I was a blasphemer. Why does he call himself a blasphemer? Well, although Paul loved God, he was a blasphemer because he stood against Jesus Christ. And guess what? Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. So if you even today, if you speak a word against Jesus Christ or God, you're a blasphemer. If you use blasphemous words or swear words against God or Jesus Christ, God looks at that like blasphemy. And Paul says that he put me to work and he even enabled me to work for him, even though I was an evil man. Paul, the Bible says, was a murderer, a blasphemer. But Bible says that once God saved him, he, came one of, he became one of the most important people for God, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. What did he do for the gospel of Jesus Christ once he got saved? Well, the Bible says that he went throughout all Asia Minor, practically the whole, you know, a part of the whole major world, you know, world that was known at that time, major populated areas. He did more for the gospel, being one man, no audio, as far as sending audio on the internet, no internet, no computer, no TV, no telephone. He did more for the gospel as one man traveling around by himself and with some, maybe a companion or two than anyone else has done in the history of Christendom. Paul's travels are are regaled and they're they're just amazing. If you look at, and usually it's at the, depending on what Bible you have, if you look at the beginning or the end of your Bible, you'll see Paul's travels. And he got places that, man, wow, one guy. And you think, man, it would have taken him a lifetime. But no, it really didn't. He had pretty much the whole known Asia Minor world all evangelized like in like 30 or 40 years before he was put to death. So, you, you know, Paul did more for the gospel than any one person's ever done for the gospel, aside from Jesus Christ, ever. He did more for the gospel, spreading of the gospel, than all other 11 disciples combined, practically, okay? So God used Paul in a mighty way. And so, since Paul was faithful, we see a principle here again. Since Paul was faithful with the gospel and the spread of the gospel, what did God do? 
What else did God do for him? Well, God gave Paul the honor, you may not know this, of writing one-third or a little bit more than one-third of the whole New Testament. The modern scholars would agree that at least 13, I would say 14, because I really think that Paul wrote Hebrews. Well, there was only 27 books in the New Testament. So Paul wrote 13 or 14 books out of the New Testament. Now, people will say, well, he did that. No, the Bible is God's book. So God's the one that decides who got the books and who got the authorship and who got to write the books of the New Testament. So God honored Paul's faithfulness with the gospel and then allowed Paul to write, think about it, one-third of the whole New Testament. Jesus himself only got four books, yet Paul wrote 13, I think 14 books of the whole New Testament, even more than Jesus got in his life. That is amazing. We see that principle again. If we're faithful in what God gives us, he'll make us faithful. He'll give us and he'll bless us with more. Now next, on to Christ, because I don't want to spend too much on Paul, because although he's a mighty man, okay, he still wasn't greater than Jesus. Next, on to, he teaches, Paul teaches us another neat thing about God and Christ. He says to us, he is merciful and gives people who turn to him a second chance. See, Paul, an evil man, right? Paul did a lot of evil, yet Paul turned to Christ, and then God used him in a mighty way. In that we see that God gives people second chances. That's awesome. That's awesome because we're not stuck if we don't want to be. If we're evil and we realize we're in sin and we want to turn to God, then even if we're whatever, no matter how we are, no matter how evil we are, we know, we can know now even that God gives sinners second chances. You see, God is merciful, and even today, if you are a murderer and have blasphemed God in Christ as Paul did, if you surrender to him as Lord, as Paul did, Jesus Christ will not only save you from the flames of hell, but if you are faithful to him as Paul was, he will use you in a mighty way to be a minister for him and his kingdom. And to me, there's not a greater honor in the whole world than being used as a minister for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for God's kingdom. And there's a saying, it goes a little like this. And it kind of fits in along with, you know, God gives second chances. And it goes a little like this. God doesn't care about where you've been. He cares about where you're going. So God, in essence, is willing to look past your past as long as you're willing to give him a, as long as you're willing to commit your future and yourself to him, he'll make your future great for his kingdom and he'll give you a second chance. That is such good news. Then he goes on to tell us in the second half of verse 13 something else that's awesome about Jesus Christ. He says, But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. He just said that Jesus Christ gave them mercy because he, because he committed all the evils he did in ignorance and unbelief. Paul was a murderer and a terrible persecutor of Christ in his church, but he truly did it in ignorance and unbelief. Before Christ came, the religion of God was Judaism, in case you didn't know, right? It was called Judaism. And in that faith, Paul excelled above all his contemporaries. He says of himself, I was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He learned under a top 
Pharisee, Gamaliel, and he was a mighty man of the Judaistic faith in God. And so he had a true love for God in Judaism. Now, although he didn't accept Christ, he still had a fervent love for God and the religion that God had established through Moses of the Old Covenant. So although Paul was an evil man towards God in Jesus Christ, he really did it. He really thought in ignorance that Jesus Christ was not from God and that he was doing the right thing from God in, in persecuting the Christian faith. He thought, I'm going to hold on to the one that God gave us through Moses. And so because he did this, he said, you know, God looked at that and he said, wow, okay, well, although I know he's doing these evils, okay, although I know he's doing these things, he's doing them in ignorance. And he doesn't really, you know, he's not really sure, so he thinks he's just doing the right thing. And therefore, because of this, God gives him mercy. This is why I know Paul writes you see, because he was one of them, and we'll see it here. He writes in Romans 12, two of the Jews that didn't believe. Of the Jews that were still like him, he says, For I bear them witness, meaning I was one of them, so I know I was in this position. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. That was like Paul. Paul had a zeal for God. But he didn't have the correct knowledge of God, so he couldn't really truly worship God. And we see that still today. We see people in other religions that have a zeal for God, the Creator, but they have an incorrect knowledge. We have Jews today that have a zeal for God, but they don't believe in Christ. We have Muslims today that have a zeal for God, but they have incorrect knowledge. We have Buddhists today and Hindus today that have an earnest love for God, but not according to to the correct knowledge. So where does that bring us? Where does that leave them? Well, just like Paul, does Jesus Christ still give mercy to those types of people that live against him and against his church in ignorance and unbelief today, just as he did Paul? Absolutely, Bible says, remember uh, Hebrews 13, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so we know and this is a true fact. And if you look around the world and all at different ministries, Voice of the Martyrs and Gospel for Asia and different ministries that minister for Christ all over the world, we know that there are right now, there are Muslims, there are Buddhists, there are Hindus, there are you know people that were like Paul with an earnest love for God, but having the incorrect knowledge. There are those people now that are coming to faith in Christ. They're, they're getting saved. And so if God didn't have mercy on them, because we know God is the Savior, we know we can't save ourselves, that means God helps sinners get salvation, right? And that doesn't mean that God saves only those whom he chooses, but we know that the Bible says that God saves sinners and that God helps sinners find him. Well, we know by today that God is still giving this grace and this mercy to people that are persecuting his church and his children. He's still giving them mercy and grace because those people are still getting saved. We still see these same people, just like Paul, getting saved right now today. Same as we did back when Paul lived, back when God did it for Paul. And so what we see again, we see more amazing love from God in Christ. But there's an important point here. This is an important point that cannot be, I cannot, cannot push it off. I cannot forsake it because it's a huge idea in our world. And, and if you ask a lot of ministers, and there's been a lot of ministers on TV and radio that have given the wrong answer to this. 
And, and people say, well, what happens to the Buddhist or what happens to the Muslim or what happens to the Hindu or what happens to the atheist if they're in another country and they've never even heard of the name of Jesus Christ? When they die, will they, or will they go to hell? Well, the Bible says yes. The Bible says yes, they will go to hell if Christ is not their Savior. Romans 1 tells us that God has revealed himself to all peoples. Now, it didn't say that God revealed himself in Christ to all peoples. But Romans 1 tells us that God has revealed himself in his triune attributes to the whole world and everybody on it. So God at the basic level gives an understanding of who he is to all people. And then at that, from that basic level, people have the choice to either seek God more and you know, show him that they care. Remember, God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we can either choose on that basic knowledge of God and Christ to seek him in his true salvation and to seek Christ, or we cannot. But basically, God does not... Con- so the, the question is, does God continue to give mercy to the ignorant and unbelieving sinners that live against him but don't come to him like Paul did? Still, Does it still apply to them? Does this grace and does this mercy and does this salvation still apply to them if they're ignorant and unbelief and they die that way? No, it does not. It does not apply to them after they die. So let's say, so the way I explain it. So you got, uh, you know, Joe or Jim or Sue, and they never heard the name of Jesus, and, and they live in some foreign country. And so then they, they never hear, no missionary ever comes to share with their ears. And, but they, you know, but they go on and they live, and they just die, and so God keeps reaching out to them, the Bible says, throughout their whole lives. And then after they die, they never commit, they never turn to Christ like Paul did. They never take the basic knowledges that God was trying to give them the way he was trying to reveal himself to them. And they never took that leap and they never sook God. And so therefore they die. Would they go to hell? Yes. Because they never responded. The Bible says that God's grace and his mercy are just offered to people while they're alive to offer them salvation, but after death, if they continue unto death to reject God's grace through what God has given them the knowledge to understand, and then he can reveal himself in Christ. And there's stories all over the world, Muslims having dreams of Jesus. Okay, God can reveal Jesus Christ. doesn't have to be through a missionary. He can reveal Jesus Christ through a dream, through a vision. So, the, so no, if they die... And they go unto death unbelieving and they do not turn to Christ, even though God spent their whole lives trying to reach out to them. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, remember we talked about this, is God's only plan of salvation. So if they they never really truly seek God on that basic principle that God's given everybody to know him, then no, they'll still die and still go to hell. God has and will reveal himself to all while they are alive and and he'll offer everyone alive a chance to turn to Christ but after they die if they've not or if they've rejected Jesus if they've never come to Christ remember God's only way to heaven like we talked about already last week this week then the Bible says that there's no atoning sacrifice for them if the blood of Christ does not cover them if they're not in that covenant with Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ, then whether they had a, a belief in God or a love for the Creator, the Bible says that you must go through Jesus Christ, not through having a basic understanding of who God is and even a basic love 
for God and who he is. Because God is God and Christ is the one that came that we have to go through him to go to God. Remember, that is a huge, huge thing in our world and many have answered that wrong. Many uh, cut God's arm short. Okay, many cut God's arm short. Uh, They think, well, you know, if a missionary doesn't go share with him, well, what about God? Shall we not say that God can reveal himself in Jesus Christ to others? Well, yes, he can, and he does. And if people, I don't care what religion you are, if you've no missionaries ever talk to you, God can speak to you if you care, and if you seek him, and he can show you who Jesus Christ is, and he can bring you to that revelation, and you can be saved, even if you never meet a real Christian ever. If God reveals himself to you because you care, and you turn to Christ, you will be saved. But if not, you will not be saved. So that mercy that God gave Paul and all people while alive, after they die it, they reject Christ, will not be saved. Okay, back to our scripture. That was kind of a bit there, but back to our scripture. So why did and does God give mercy and have patience with those who live against Christ in ignorance and unbelief, just like Paul did? Verse 14 tells us, verse 14, Paul says, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Basically, shorten it. You can shorten it a lot, simplify it a lot, kind of like the title. His grace and love towards people in Christ Jesus is exceedingly abundant. Wow. God gives second chances because he loves. God gives mercy to the person who does evil and lives in evil against him and his church. He gives him mercy because he loves him and because he has grace in Jesus Christ for them. Now, I know what love is. That's, that's easy. That's easy one, love. That's a sacrifice, a show of love. But what is grace? In case you didn't know, grace is the unmerited, divine assistance given humans for their regeneration or sanctification. God, the Bible says, is pure love. God, the Bible says, is all merciful. No one is merciful like God is merciful. And the Bible says that God gives grace abundantly. And... Here's what it says. God's nature is the same. He never changes. He is what he is, and he can't change himself because that's his very nature. We, people, are born into sin. Our very nature is sin. We can't but help but to commit sin until Christ comes and gives us a new nature. But God is not a sinner. God is perfect. And he's all love, he's all merciful, and all and gives grace all abundantly. And he is that way, and there's no way he can be, because that's the way he is. And as far as sinners go, just how big of a sinner was Paul? Because God's grace even goes out to people no matter how bad or how big of a sinner that they really are. So just how bad of a sinner was Paul? I mean, I know he was a murderer and a blasphemer, but just how bad does the Bible say that he really was? Did he say that he really was? Well, verse 15, he, Paul says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. What does that mean? Chief 
means the biggest, the baddest, the leader of sinners. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee. Pharisees were like the leaders, kind of, of the religious uh, uh, religion of the Jude- of Judaism. Okay, so Paul was a leader. He was a chief sinner. He said, I'm the main, I'm the biggest sinner in all the world. I'm like the captain of the captain of the captain of the sinners. Now notice too, Paul didn't just say, I was a chief of sinners. At this point in time when he writes this, when he writes his 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, he is a saved person. God has saved him. God has given him a new heart. God has given him a new desire. God's given him this whole new person. He went from Saul, the the evil persecuting man, to Paul, the Christian man. And notice he says that I am chief of sinners. He didn't say that I used to be chief of sinners. He says I am chief of sinners. What's he saying? Notice he said that, but I got to explain that the Bible says that although we may get saved, Ladies and gentlemen, Christians, non-Christians alike, whoever's listening to me. Bible says that even though we may get saved, we are still sinners. And we still do commit evils. The Bible says now God sees us as purified if we're in Christ Jesus. But that does not change the fact that in this flesh, we will always be sinners. Even though, again, God sees us as perfected. Now, So far, Paul has shown us some neat things about himself and some amazing aspects of Christ and his love. But believe it or not, Christ's love runs even deeper than we've seen so far. Look at verse 16. 1 Timothy 1, 16. He says, however, for this reason... Now, he just called himself the chief of sinners. Now, this this is going to be big. However, for this reason, meaning because I'm a chief of sinners... I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Let me explain. What did Paul just say? He said, because I was and still am a chief of sinners, Jesus Christ showed me mercy first so that he could show every hopeless sinner the really, really, really bad ones, even them, that they had a chance to be saved as well. So, according to Paul, now keep in mind that all sin is the same to God. Whether we steal or whether we murder somebody, sin is sin. And the, and the, de- and the consequence of sin is death spiritually forever. That means that we're separated from God when we sin. But people's idea of the sin, the sin that they commit changes. If I steal a pack of gum... Or I murder somebody, in my mind, well, you know, pretty much on earth, there's one of the worst sins you commit is murder. But stealing a pack of gum, I mean, uh, everybody steals, right? I mean, that's kind of like, that's how we think about it. But in God's eyes, it's all the same. But think about it like this. Because of the way we think about it, what Paul just said here, according to Paul, Christ's love is so deep that Jesus Christ didn't just want to show his love and salvation to just the plain old sinner, you know, 
Like the person may, oh, I stole something once or, oh, you know, when I was a kid, I lied about my homework or, you know, whatever, which there's still sins, mind you, and there's still separations, God. But the way we think about them, people would, oh, I just lied and I just stole something. You know, I cheated on some tests and, you know, I, I cheated this person from that. Or I cheated, but then we think, although, again, those are sins, we don't think about them like, oh, you murdered somebody. Oh, you murdered someone. Oh, murder. oh, you're a murderer. Oh. But no, no, God, stealing murder, same thing. Still sin, still separates from God. But Paul said here that I want to show you that in me, Christ did this for me because I was a chief of sinners. Remember, Paul was a murderer, which again, that's one of the bad ones. That's one of the worst ones in our eyes. Okay, Paul said he, he gave me this mercy because he wanted to show in me first that he could still love the worst of the sinners, again, so that even the worst of the sinners forever would look at his example with Paul and how he gave Paul a second chance and be excited and say, oh, because Paul got a second chance, so can I. So God didn't want to just show us, on God's side, he didn't want to just show us that he could give grace and mercy and forgiveness at a plain old, oh, I stole something, or I lied, or I cheated, oh, you know, I did this, uh, I was dishonest, you know, I, I did this little thing, and I did that, oh, I broke the speed limit, you know, I did 20, 10 miles an hour above the speed limit, you know, I was a speeder, you know, I, I was this, I was not the not the little ones, but he did this for Paul, so that even every, think about this, super evil sinner in our eyes, I'm talking about so that all the murderers, all the child molesters, all the rapists, all the drug addicts, all the drug sellers, all the prostitutes, all the sodomites, all the homosexuals, all the worst of sinners... All the most evil of sinners that do the most evil of things, whatever may be contrary to God's law, those having sex with animals, that if they would see what God did with Paul, that God wanted to even show them that they can come to the fount of living water and find salvation as well, too. That is Christ's love extravagant. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Christ's love, super extravagant. That means that God gives second chances to even the worst of sinners. Wow. So with all that depth of Christ's love that Paul just shared with us, there's no wonder why he ends this little power-packed teaching session with this last verse. And he says, now to the king Speaking about Jesus Christ, because the whole section's been about Christ. Now to the King, Jesus Christ, eternal, immortal, invisible. To God alone, now he goes to God. To God alone is wise. He goes to God now. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, if you've ever just thought about the love of God in Christ, and you've ever thought like me, the Bible says those who are forgiven much, will love much. Well, I was a one that needed to be forgiven a lot. Although I wasn't a murderer, I did a lot of bad things. A lot of the major, major bad things. And yet, God still showed me mercy, just like he did Paul, because of the things that I did. 
Okay, He gives mercy and grace to everyone. Okay, But if you've ever just thought about the good and amazing love of God in Christ, you and I, and as I think about it even today, I say the same thing whenever I think about, wow, God, you showed me mercy too. That was on Paul's mind. He was thinking about how merciful and how loving God and Christ were and how they, he gave them a second chance. Man, wow, to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the God alone is wise, be honored, glory, that's just something you naturally want to do. When you think about how much God loves you, when you think about how God's grace and his mercy runs so deep, man, praise God, I go all praise, hallelujah to Jesus, oh man, thank you God Almighty in heaven, oh wow, look what you've done for me. That's all Paul's doing there. He thought about the depth of God's grace and Christ's mercy. And he just had to give God praise and Christ's praise and honor and glory. Now, today, we learned a great deal of things about Christ and Paul. But the biggest thing we learned today was about Jesus Christ and how his grace is exceedingly abundant toward even the worst of sinners. And wow. That is love. That is love. Now, it could be just easy to think that Christ just showed his love, his extreme devotion of love for us on the cross, right? I mean, that's the main thing you hear. When you hear Jesus Christ loves you, what do you hear? Oh, he went to the cross for you. But if you want to get technical, okay? If you want to get technical, and and I do because I like to get technical, Jesus Christ showed his love for people in at least four different ways. Bear with me here. Four different ways. He shows extreme devotion of love for humanity in these four ways at least. And maybe you've never thought about them, but I want you to think about them right now. He was born into this world and he left heaven in perfection. He was born into this sin-filled world of hate. He was perfect. He was God in, you know, with God, was God and in, you know, with God in the beginning. In perfection of heaven forever. And yet, he showed his love first by taking a step out of this perfection, out of this glory, out of this peace, out of this love, to step into the sin-filled world because he knew he had one mission, something to do for people. That was the first way he showed his love. The second way he showed his love was he lived a sold-out devotional life towards us, spending, think about it, 33 years sinless. Sinless. In the midst of a sin-filled world. Think about it. If he would have sinned even one time, the Bible says that he would not have been able to be perfect and offer an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So he came, lived a perfect, sinless life, in the midst of sin for 33 years, while spending the last three and a half years of his life in ministry, showing us that he was the way to eternal life. So he left heaven, spends 33 years without committing one sin, and ministering to us and teaching us the way of salvation. Three, then of course, he dies on a cross, to prove his love for us, he to capsize his love for us. Hey, I, I've been perfect. I don't deserve to die. Boom, I'm going to die. We all know that one. Number three, that's the most popular. And then number four, he shows us here. By offering us salvation 
to even the worst of sinners and showing example through Paul first so that the worst of the worst of the worst sinners could have hope. And then we still read about it. That means he's still given that same hope almost 2,000 years later. Oh yes, Christ showed us love way more than just dying for us on a cross, ladies and gentlemen. He showed his love for us by lots of ways. And in lots of different avenues and in lots of different you know, magnitudes. It's unbelievable. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a show of love and devotion like no one has ever showed love and devotion for you or me or anybody. So if you're listening to this message today, and you're like the man that Paul was before Jesus Christ came to his life, and the fact that you are a murderer, you're a child molester, you've raped a woman, you've raped people in the past, you're addicted to drugs, you're, you're, a, you're a drug pusher, you're a prostitute, you're a homosexual, you're a sodomite, you, you've had sex with animals before and you just think, well, there's no way that God could love me. Look at what I've done in my life. Then Jesus Christ wants you to know today, if you realize today that you are, like Paul, a chief among sinners, even the worst of the worst of the worst. If you're wondering if there's hope for you, Jesus Christ says, yes, there's hope for you and me today. Just like there was hope for Paul. Just like I showed you your hope in Paul. Look at my example that I gave with Paul, chief of sinners. Yes, there's hope for you just like there was Paul. Bible, Jesus Christ loves you and died for you and died for your sins just like me, Paul the chief of sinners back then, and all the other people on the earth. And there's hope for you today just like verse 6, just like, uh, just like our scripture showed us today. There's hope for you today. Christ showed you that hope and given it to Paul first of all. That means that today, if you turn to Christ today and you confess your sins and you ask him to save you from the evil person you've become, that you ask, if you ask him to save you from the sinner that you are, and just like he showed Paul mercy and salvation for the first to lay the groundwork of who could get saved, that he will grant the same mercy and salvation to you and you can be saved And you could be changed so that you don't have to be this evil sinner anymore. He can and will save you from your sins. Think about this. He'll deliver you from the evil and hateful person you've become. He'll give you peace in your life now. When you die, you'll go to heaven. And you'll get to spend an eternity with the God who loved you, even in spite of who you have become through all the sin in your life. So now, if you're out there and you're listening and you're thinking, wow, I never knew that God loved me so much and He can forgive me? He can forgive me? I'm a murderer. I'm a child molester. I'm a rapist. Man, I'm a homosexual. I'm a terrible sinner. Yeah. So what are you waiting for? Surrender your life to Him today. Put your faith in Him. Put your trust 
in Him. And be saved and have true peace in your soul today. How do we do this? Well, I teach, well just, just pray this one simple prayer. Oh, it's a lot more than a prayer. If you're convicted to your heart right now, and you see how much God loves you, even in spite of your sinfulness and your dirtiness, fall on your knees and first of all, thank Him and praise Him that He stills offering you love right now. Because you thought, I'm done. Oh, there's no way God could love me. So now you just learn that God can love you. God does love you, even in spite of where you're at. Fall down on your face. Prostrate yourself before God and cry out to Him and tell Him you're sorry for what you've done, but that you need Him in your life. Ask Him to save you. Cry out to Him. And then ask Him to save you. Turn to Him with all your heart. Surrender your life to Him. Give Him everything. All He wants is your love. And all His love is all you need. Turn to Him today and cry out to Him and ask Him to save you. And He will. He promises that He will. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for Your Word today. Thank You so much for the example that You gave at Paul. Thank You so much, Lord God, that although Paul was a chief of sinners... You gave him your mercy and you gave him your grace even still. And that not only did you do that just for Paul, Lord, but you did that for every person to show any sinner, any of the worst of the worst sinners, that they could still have hope in you. I pray, dear God, today that whoever's listened to this message, Lord, because I know you... You were speaking to me this message, Lord, and I know there's somebody out there, Lord God, that's this worst chief of sinners, Lord. And Lord, you just showed them today that you give them mercy and you give them grace and you're there for them. I pray, dear God, that nothing would restrain them now. No doubt, nothing would restrain them today from coming to you and turning their lives to you and surrendering to you and asking you to save them and and asking you for forgiveness of their sins. I pray nothing would stop them from doing that today. And they would turn to you right now, fall on their faces and repent, have a heart change towards you, come to you with their whole heart. I pray, dear God, right now, for the salvation of all that listen to this message, Lord, and all that are even the chief of sinners that will ever listen to this message. Thank you, Lord God, for your mercy and your grace. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.